Good morning. It is, uh, it's 9.07. Uh, Secretary of State uh, Jay Ashcroft, he's going to be with us in about uh, 30 minutes. He's got a whole host of topics that he wants to cover. Uh, I'll kind of give you um, a, a little uh, background on, on where he's uh, you know going to concentrate his time. Uh, he's uh, going to talk about ESG, press release going out of the office today. Funding for 87,000 IRS auditors repealed by the new Congress. Jason Smith, the new House Ways and Means uh, chairman. Uh, and inflation concerns on food and gas. And if we get to it, even more. Uh, we're also uh, going to have Dr. Murray Sabrin on. There is a, a report that the stock market they think will really get jolted in a bad way uh, sometime uh, shortly in the next year. I'm not so sure it's going to be that bad, but there could be a realignment. In the meantime, we kick the program off with Mark Tapscott. He is the congressional reporter uh, for the Epic Times, a terrific newspaper, diurnal, I guess, if you, uh, uh, if it, it, it doesn't come to you in paper, it comes to you on the World Wide Web, so you, you can read it anytime you want. Uh, but they do a really fabulous job. Mark was on with us uh, a little over a week ago talking about the... Uh, the uh, race for the speakership uh, and Mark it was fascinating to watch it unfold it started off with 20 and then it went to 21 and I thought oh boy Tapscott's nailed this it's going down the dumper but they eventually got what they wanted yeah yeah they did and I, I have to say um, you know Congressman Scott Perry who is the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus which is kind of the heart of the uh, populist conservative dissidents um, between him and and Congressman Chip Roy from Texas and Congressman Byron Donalds from from Florida, um, they really put on a demonstration of you take a stand, you stay with it, you work it until you think you're not going to be able to work it anymore, and then you probably are going to achieve something and they did they they have reset uh reset the rules in the house in a way that the house has needed for literally for decades can we go over some of the changes well the, the one that gets the most attention is vacating the chair and you know if you read the new york times and the washington post about that um you probably would think that what the dissidents, the populist conservative dissidents were proposing was something entirely new. It's not. It has been part of Congress uh, basically most of its existence. And what it did is it gave every member of the House the um, power, if you will, to make a motion at any time declaring the chair vacant. And that would mandate a new election for speaker if, you know, you got a majority to, to vote for it. Pelosi, when she became speaker back in 2019, um, she did away with it because she wanted to have, you know, as few limits on the power of the speaker as possible. And consequently, that's one of the big reasons why she was able to do things like, um, you know, work on a 4,000-page omnibus spending bill behind closed doors and then jam it down everybody's throat without enough time to even read it. Um, putting in, putting back the vacate the chair is going to be a real 
limit on that kind of thing. Um, I don't think it's the most significant, though. Um, there are a bunch of other things, especially having to do, for example, with any tax increase has to get three-fifths vote. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You like also that. have, yeah, you also have um, a requirement that um, the House do its um, budgeting responsibilities under what's known as regular order. Basically, what that is is there are twelve major appropriations bills that that uh, are considered each each session, and they have a deadline. They're supposed to complete uh, those bills by September. I think September first. They haven't done that for years, uh, and that's why we keep having these recurring omnibus spending bills at the last minute and continuing resolutions at the last minute because they haven't done their job in the past. Uh, and, and and having that kind of last-minute um, jam up also favored the few people who were in control. Um, they could, you know, write the legislation the way they wanted it and not have to worry about people, uh, you know, rank-and-file guys who come along with amendments and upset the apple cart. Yeah, we well, wouldn't want representatives to be able to represent their people. Well, that's exactly the point. And, you know, I... I Chip Roy said at one point, I think in the, on the second day of all the, the voting and, and balloting, he stood up and he looked around the chamber, which was full, uh, and he said, you know, so this is what it looks like when we're all here having a real debate. And that yeah. really captured what was happening. You know, these guys were forcing the issue so that the, the House of Representatives had to act like the founders intended for the House of Representatives to act as a deliberative representative assembly. And that's what we're working back to. They also uh, are trying to make it a one subject at a time rule? Yes. Yeah, um, that that probably, Gary, that probably will be the first one that gets waived. But, um, <laughs> but maybe not, you know. Um, Kevin McCarthy kind of sounds like he's, you know, he's heard the music and he's going to dance along. So we'll see. Well, I've been chairman of the board at a group called Downsize DC, and we've had legislation introduced. Rand Paul has done it in the Senate. It's the One Subject at a Time Act, uh, the yep. Read the Bills uh, uh, as well. Uh, and it looks like these House members pushed for that. I mean, I, I really think they did a hell of a job. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the 72-hour thing, because I, I remember back in the Tea Party days, 2010 and 2011, um, that was one of the Tea Party uh, group's biggest, most prominent demands. Um, you know, give us time to actually read the bill. And, of course, they passed it after the Tea Party took over the House, but then when the Democrats came back in, and with, with a lot of Republicans supporting it, unfortunately, they began routinely waiving the 72-hour because they were constantly coming up with these last-minute continuing resolutions and omnibus spending bills. So, um, you know, it very much is a matter of you can have all the rules, but you still have to observe them for them to be effective. 
And yeah. that's, that's going to be, you know, that will be the thing that determines the ultimate success uh, of what happened. You should go to downsizedc.org and look at the, uh, the the legislation that we've proposed because it has consequences for ignoring uh, reading the bills and writing the laws in one subject at a time. Uh, but yeah. if you just turn the radio on, Mark Tapscott is with us, congressional reporter, uh, the Epic Times, fabulous newspaper. You want to get the news uh, and really get honest news, this is the, this is the place to go. Uh, very quickly, Mark, because we are uh, running out of time here, they are looking to um, get rid of these IRS agents and cut the funding. And I don't know how they succeed in that. I mean, the House could pass it, but the Senate isn't going to. The only thing I can think of is they have to tie it to something else, which kind of violates their one subject at a time act, um, in order well, to, to make it happen. Yeah, no, it, it actually it doesn't violate that because they will have, um, there's going to come a point later in the session when the House has acted on all of its appropriations bills. The Senate will have to respond to those. And, of course, Biden will have to make a decision about whether or not to sign it. And that's when you get this, um, all of the folks involved coming to the table and having what's called a conference committee. And, you know, you're going to have to give up a little bit here, and you're going to gain a little bit over there. And my guess is the, the defunding the IRS uh, will be the one thing when they get down to the brass tacks of, of negotiating a uh, compromise. That will be the one thing the House guys will say, nope, you know, we are not going to, we're not going to wave on that. And I, I think it will survive. That'll be interesting if it does. Last question. Uh, do you think we're going to have a shutdown, a government shutdown? Probably. And and let me just tell everybody before it happens, when the government shuts down, the government doesn't shut down. The media says it does, but it doesn't. Yeah. How many corporations you know have non-essential employees? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what they do. Well, the non-essential employees are going to be uh, not going to work. If they weren't essential, what the hell were they doing here? Well, you know, that's why that's why the liberal Democrats are so scared to death of the shutdown, because they're afraid that after three or four weeks, the American people are going to look around and say, hey, uh, you know, things are going on just as they were. We must not need those guys. You know, that's been my argument, Mark, for the longest time. These Republicans cave at the slightest bit of pressure, but if they hang on, yeah. if they just stand their ground, eventually they win. That's the point. That is exactly the point, Gary. Mark Tapscott, Epic Times. Mark, thanks for uh, coming on board with us this morning. Yeah, you got it, man. Let's do it again. You got it. Thank you. Take care. Mark Tapscott, Epic Times. Uh, you try to catch a plane this morning, you might have had a bit of a problem. Theories? I've got one. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show. That's next on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 922. Glad to have you with us. Uh, it is The Gary Nolan Show. If you just turned the radio on, we were just talking with a reporter from the Epic Times uh, talking, he's the congressional reporter about everything that's happened over the course of the last week and a half, and uh, we kind of got a, a picture of where things are going and how it'll work out in the long run. Also, in the news this morning, thousands of flight delays rippled across the country because of a computer outage at the FAA. Uh, 
President Biden, who's, you know, he's he, he just not there, uh, says he doesn't exactly know what happened. Uh, but I, I think, personally, that this kind of an outage uh, has to have been an attack. Somebody had to have gone after them. That's my theory. Uh, things are up and running now, but uh, they're way behind. Literally, I think 5,000 flights uh, backed up in the system. And if the plane can't drop off, the new passengers can't get on. Let me go to the phones, Anne, on the Epic Times. Anne, welcome. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. But, Gary, all of that carbon that was not emitted into the air because of it. You know that somebody's going to come out and say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Regarding the Epic Times, that is a very good website. They've got a really good documentary about ESG, what yep. it is, the people forcing this on us. And I'm going to try and get a copy and show it at our library because um, a lot of people don't know what it is. And they should know because they're, go they're going to be, if they haven't already, been the victim of it. Um, real quickly, Gary, I believe that there's uh, going to be a meeting in Davos, Switzerland next week. And... Um, a whole bunch of government leaders, leaders in industry, politics are going to show up at that meeting. I would like to, um, I would like to see why, you know, it's probably not as it usually doesn't get broad coverage from any of the media. Um, and I would like to know what political leaders, both sides of the aisle, attend those meetings on a regular basis. Um, you know, this would be World Economic Forum, um, yep. industry, technology. I want to know what those people are going there for, because I think that they're compromised. I know one, I think she's a U.S. Congresswoman from Missouri, Ann Wagner, 2nd District. She's attended one of those meetings before, and I could not get a straight answer from her why she attended. Uh, we've got to weed these people out. They've got any connections at all with George Soros, WEF, organizations like that. It's time to go after these people because I think that they're writing legislation via, you know, these different conduits. But, well, uh, I think you'd have to get a spy, someone who is exceedingly wealthy uh, mm -hmm. in order to get in there. And I, I think it would be a real challenge. Uh, and I, well, I don't think... Uh, yeah, it'd be nice. You know what? You can all send me money, and when I'm a multi-billionaire, I'll go. Well, one more thing, Gary, if yeah. I could, real quickly. You mentioned before that you're sick and tired of hearing the lies from these people. Yep. May I suggest, if you ever interview one of these people, you go about it this way. If they won't answer a straight yes or no answer, tell them, you just answered the question by not answering my question. I'm going to assume if you prevaricate and you talk a mile and say nothing as they usually do you know this and you didn't answer my straight question yes or no i'm going to assume what the answer is already and it's the burden is on them to prove that you're wrong so when you say that you're totally frustrated when they don't answer a question they have answered it and yeah. um i don't, I don't know, get i don't get a lot i don't even bother trying to get progressives on the program. I've done it in the past and uh, literally uh, eviscerated them on, you know, minimum wage and federal debt and spending and all that nonsense. But it's just, it's it's not worth it. I mean, it, 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 it the people well, who I believe... I challenge you to try this, this, this type of 
different way of, of kind of throwing it back in their face. All right. We, we know, I mean, if they won't answer, they, they do answer the question, Gary. They do answer it by not yep. answering the question. You're right. So, that's exactly right. They, they don't want to give you the answer that's true, so they don't answer at all. And that's how you know. Exactly. All right, all right Ann. Thank, thank you. you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Do you remember that guy from, uh, what was that liberal group that was pushing minimum wage hike? When we got through with him, he was he, he was literally... Hamana, 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 yeah, hamana. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's see. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is up in just a few minutes at 9.35. We'll chat with him. We've got a whole host of topics that uh, he wants to talk about, and I can't wait to hear... But let's go to the phones. Jim is on on ESG. Jim, welcome. How are you? Hello. Oh, wait, let's Thanks. try that. Now I bet I can get him. Jim, wel welcome. How are you? Hi, Gary. Yes. yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, two things. Ann Wagner is the globalist. I mean, everything I've followed of her, I made the mistake of supporting her campaign one time, and one time was too much. Uh, the second thing is essential employees. I used to work at a government laboratory, and they would uh, furlough number of us. But all we had to face afterward is we had double or triple the work when we got back. So it's not every place that government employees that are, quote, non-essential don't get stuck with things. Uh, but you all got your back pay, didn't you? Right, but we were working, we made it up in the overtime and everything that we had to come in and do because we were on not on salary. We were on, you know, many of us had to just get the work done. You gave, you're a we government were, employee on hourly? No, you weren't. Oh, so you're I mean, on salary. Were, yeah, so and so we got a salary, but we had to come in more than eight hours a day at times. Well, you just had you a know. week off, so. All right. Jim, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How much time do I have here, Brian? I'm up close. You have about a minute. Chuck, I got one minute. Chuck? All right. I'll keep, I'll keep this short. Hey, uh, you can Google all the members of the World Trade uh, Commission, et cetera, and uh, they, they hide nothing. They tell you everyone's position, past, present, and future, and... Um, and you'd be surprised some of the names that's on that list. That's all I'll say. Go you, look you, it up. You, you think they give you all of their information, huh? You don't think they're well, I don't think they do, but just what they give you will surprise you. <laughs> Not me. Doesn't surprise me a bit. Chuck, thanks, buddy. Appreciate what? it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right. Uh, we got the Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, is coming up. Uh, and uh, then we've got a world-class economist on board with us. We've just got a ton of stuff that uh, we need to get to. Uh, and if, if that's, if that's not enough, uh, we've got a sad tale of woe about a private property owner who literally has had to go to the Supreme Court twice, twice to stop the feds from destroying his life and taking his land. He already beat them the first time, but he's got to go back again, beat them a second. That's all coming up on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This 
is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 9.35. Glad to have you with us. It is the Gary Nolan Show. Coming up, Dr. Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. That'll be at about 10.05, Ph.D. economist. Uh, and uh, we will chat about the state of the economy, actually the stock market. Morgan Stanley strategist thinks that stocks are going to take their largest annual nosedive since the Great Recession. We'll find out what Murray thinks. But we kick off this segment of the program with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Um, ESG, you're going to send out a press release today on ESG? Yeah, there's. Uh, we believe that every investor should know all material facts that can be known when they decide to make an investment decision. We believe that most people, when they invest with an investment advisor, the reason they do that is to get a return. They want to make money. They want to save money for their kids' education to go to college or for a vacation or for their retirement. And what we're seeing are we're seeing uh, uh, supposed institutions that should be helping people to increase their return on their investment that are instead pushing people to do investments that won't give them the greatest rate of return because of some woke agenda. And if people want to do it, we believe that's their right to spend their money how they want, but it's not the right of an investment advisor to mislead you about your investments. Uh, you want to explain what ESG is for the uninitiated? <laughs> you know, it, 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 it is this woke uh, theology, if you will, about environmental and so social governance plans. Uh, it's had different n names over the last 10, 20, 30 years, but it's essentially this idea that the people's money uh, writ large that is being used to invest and create our economy should be redirected to social goals and social missions Instead of increasing our economy and rate of return, it should be dictating what companies are allowed to get capital, what ca companies are allowed to bank, what companies can do, and really changing our way of life without the people that are making the investments necessarily knowing about it. So, you know, if I'm investing with a company I, because I want a great return or the best return I can, they should have a fiduciary responsibility there uh, that they would be ignoring because they would rather I invest in some socially, in their opinion, responsible company? Yes. We see that happening. Probably the largest firm that's doing that, I believe, is BlackRock. They're trying to cut off capital uh, to institutions uh, that might be involved in oil and gas industries, which is necessary to heat homes and run our cars and keep the lights on at our factories and places of employment in this country. We're seeing uh, investment houses that are going after banks that would actually lend money to uh, people that are involved in the firearms industry or any other industry. They they don't agree with it. How soon is it before they start going after banks that would loan money to farmers? Because they say that growing food so people can live is raising our greenhouse gases. It's ridiculous, and we need to put a stop to it unless people make that informed decision. That's what they want done with their money. So is there any indication that BlackRock is uh, giving a, a poorer return than, say, uh, companies that don't engage, uh, engage in ESG? Yes. Um, there have been uh, numerous studies, uh, numerous articles and uh, uh, periodicals like the, the Wall Street Journal uh, that, uh, unfortunately, there are times when if you invest in ESG or other social uh, deals like that, you won't get the best rate of return. And if that's what you want, that's fine, but it should be the investor that's making that decision. 
So do you want them to, uh, you know, explain that on their website and with their investors to Missouri people? Or are you just putting this out so that Missourians know? What we're doing is we're requiring uh, broker-dealers, investment advisors, when they're talking to their client about a discretionary investment, something where the client can say yes or no, they have to let the client know whether or not the reason they're suggesting or not suggesting something is based on uh, some of these kind of social goals as opposed to getting the best rate of return. It's not mandating that someone can't do ESG or they have to do ESG, that's up to the investor. But we're saying as the advisor, you have to disclose it and fully inform people. And if you don't, that's fraud. Okay. Uh, all right. I can't wait to see how that, how that works out in the marketplace. Uh, let's talk about Jason Smith. Isn't it great? Um, I am so thrilled for Congressman Smith that is going to be the head of, of the Ways and Means uh, Committee in uh, Congress. He will do a great job at the U.S. House of Representatives. He understands that every dollar they spend comes from the people of this country that the, well, I guess the federal government does print money, but let's not go into that. <laughs> he understands that every dollar they spend is taking money out of your pocketbook. Um, and I am so glad to have a fighter from Missouri that will stand up and say, no, the people are more important than the government is in that position. Um, I'm going to throw you a, 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 a kind of a curveball here. After you were on sure. last week, a caller called up and said, he is running for governor, and he said so. Have you declared that you're going to run or not? I, I have not publicly declared that I'm running, and you know, the, I think the time for any declaration is not yet here. But it, it, it will be here on this show, right? <laughs> we'll be here in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a politician. You see what he did there? <laughs> yeah, I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also have an opinion on China and their recent aggression. Uh, explain. Yeah. Tell me why that's an issue. You know, I just have this old-fashioned idea that elected officials are supposed to put America first, that we're supposed to put, in my case, Missouri first, and that we should understand that other countries are going to put their agendas ahead of our agenda, and we need to make sure we're doing what we need to do to counter what they're trying to do to make sure that we have the world that's best for Americans. And for unfortunately, this presidency has not understood that. Um, I think there are obvious concerns that maybe the, uh, there were money monetary transaction with the president's son that could affect that but we need to stand up to china that's trying to dis to destabilize this world and we need to stand up for what's right for america and we need to be calling for our allies to stand up and support themselves militarily in an appropriate fashion uh last thing and i i, I hesitate to bring this up i guess i should have done it with jason smith uh, but the House of Representatives wants to defund 87,000 IRS auditors. Uh, Hallelujah. The, yeah, it doesn't break my heart, trust me. Uh, but, but the, the uh, Congressional Research Service said, uh, or the Congressional Budget Office said, well, that's going to result in a greater debt. No, uh, that's a lie. 
the only way cutting uh, revenues uh, gives us greater debt is if we continue to spend. The problem is not if we're cutting revenues and letting people have more of their money. The problem is if we can't stop spending. Stop spending. That's what we've got to do. I would say that getting rid of 87,000 new IRS auditors is just a start. Let's create a tax system where we don't even have the IRS. That's what we ought to do. Mr. Secretary, did you see the breakdown on the people who get audited, wealthy versus the poor? Um, uh, I think it was I, didn't. The, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, but I, I, I was reading this uh, earlier in the week that by a pretty significant margin, the people that the IRS audit are poor to middle class and but to a much lesser extent, the wealthy. And you know why they do that? They do that because the poor and middle class don't have the resources to hire attorneys to defend them the same way that the rich do. The IRS knows that they can prey on people with fewer resources to get more from them because they can't get the best defense. It's wrong, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen like that. I don't disagree with a word you've said today. All right. Uh, Secretary Secretary J, uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, uh, thank you very much for spending a few minutes with us today on the Gary Nolan Show. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, Gary. All right. You too. Glad to have you on board. <laughs> uh, you know what, Brian? I think i got to ask him every week if he's running. Yeah, I um, think. Just as uh, say, uh, Yeah. Because yeah. I want to get the leg up on everybody else. I want the announcement to come on the Gary Nolan Show. Oh, Lord. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got a, a lot of ground to cover. Social Security is one issue that is concerning because they are running out of money. And, well, let, we'll play some audio for you, and then I'll explain. This is so deceitful on the part of this uh, uh, host. Uh, we'll play it for you in just a few minutes. Gary Noljo, Zimmer Radio Network. It is 9.50, and uh, Murray Sabrin, Dr. Murray Sabrin, Ph.D. economist, going to be on board. Uh, Morgan Stanley says, uh, boy, the stock market is going to take a big hit. Uh, we'll see what uh, this Ph.D. in economics thinks. In the meantime, splitting hairs. Um, we know that Medicare is going to go broke and Social Security. But the truth is... People who deny it are splitting hairs. And, and I'll explain this in a minute. As an example, uh, here's this uh, lefty on, uh, it's MSNBC, isn't it, Brian? Uh, the, yes, it is MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, play this. With Joy Reid. Joy Reid, yeah. My friend Jody Arrington, who's going to chair a budget, he wants to look into the budget and also look into entitlements. Do you know that Social Security is going to be insolvent in 2035? It is not going to be. That yes, is not true. That, that is actually, actually not true. No, it's say. actually not now, Joy, true. It's actually not true. It's actually not. It, but it's actually not true. The financial community. That's actually not true. That's actually not true. Social Security will go That's actually not true. Those are the facts. That's not true. Should we not prepare that is not for true. that? What the Republican Party and what the Tea Party have proposed is privatizing Social Security, which would actually subject Social Security to. To the whims of the market, which I don't think that people, you that's not what they paid the into. No, if no, you look at the returns not, of the S&P 500 that is not since 2006, the returns of the S&P 500 since 2006, you're that saying, so you, you, okay, so you support privatizing I, I, Social Security. No, I want to explain to you. 
I am a financial professional. I'm securities licensed. Actually, I just lost my licenses because I'm not allowed to trade anymore because I'm a member of Congress. Mm -hmm. But let me assure you, if you look at the S&P 500 from 2006 until today, the growth rate in the S&P 500 would have more than taken care of Social Security, way more than the federal government. And each time that you had a crash, it was subjective. Okay. All right. So let me jump in here. Social Security, is it going broke? Well, yes and no. She's splitting hairs. What's going to happen is if you're a retiree by 20, I think, 34, and I'll I'll double check this, they're going to have to cut the amount of money that you get. As long as people are working and paying into it, it won't be completely broke. But it will not have enough money to support retirees the way retirees were promised. Yeah, 2034. That's when the uh, trustees report says they're going to start getting reduced benefits. So if you're going to retire in 2034, 2035, you're only going to get about three quarters of what, uh, what's been promised. And the reason is they won't have any money except what gets paid in Social Security taxes. You have to remember that, uh, you know, until recently, there were more people working than collecting. So they had all this excess money, and instead of investing it in the marketplace, they just gave it to Congress to spend. And then Congress said, well, we'll pay you back. Well, by 2034, all that money will be paid back. And Social Security is going to have to cut benefits. You want me to play Joy Reid's part? Uh, you explain uh, the Social Security problem? Go ahead. Go ahead. You tell me about Social Security. All right. Well, Social Security is going to take in less money. That's than not it, true. That's not true. No, it is That's true. That's not true. Uh, the, 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 the Social Security trustees report. That is not true. But they're the trustees. That is not true. But they know. That is not true. How am I doing so far? I, I think it was a perfect impression. <laughs> I, I was impressed. You know, even you know, even the prosody and the uh, the pitch uh, sounded just like her. All right. So, Social Security is it going broke? Well, yes. Essentially, it won't go completely broke. As long as people are working, it won't go completely broke. But if you had invested that money in the marketplace over your lifetime. You'd be a millionaire. Probably. Even the, it, 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 even those of us in the middle class could be millionaires. But you're stuck in this system and nobody will let you out. Joy Reid. And, and I don't know why this legislator refused to say, yeah, we should be putting money in the private marketplace. He knows the private marketplace always does better than the government. And in this case... What we know is that by 2034, it's going to be a losing proposition. Uh, in fact, uh, if you were born, oh, geez, my, uh, I can't remember what the cutoff date is, but you have to work until you're 70 to get your full retirement. And it's a little balancing game that they play. Well, you can you, you reach full retirement at 65. And if you want to collect that money, you're only going to get X number of dollars. But if you keep working until you're 70, 
then you get X number of dollars plus. Uh, it's a little game that they've been playing in order to make it last as long as it has, because this thing was in trouble in the 1980s. And then they decided in the 1980s to save this, that they would tax your Social Security check if you brought home too much money elsewhere. You get on Social Security, but you got a healthy retirement or a, a decent job, you want to keep working, oh, well, we're going to tax the money that we taxed you for to give you the money. Uh, it, it's a vicious, it, it's a vicious little cycle. It's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, they're hoping you die before they have to pay any yes. benefits at all. That's what this whole thing is. And, and if it was done this way in the private marketplace, that person would be in jail. And thousands of people do that every year. Everybody who dies, every every single person that is not uh, unmarried that dies before they can collect Social Security, their money is gone. It's just gone. They had it stolen from them every day they worked. There is no leaving it to their mother, leaving it to their siblings. There's nothing. It's gone. They paid and they paid and they paid and something happened. They got in an automobile accident. Uh, they got killed in a, in a robbery. They got some horrible disease. They died and the money is gone. That's just theft. That's well, they send you a check, uh, the relatives a check for $250. Under some circumstances, <laughs> yeah. they do. But not all. Um, and it's, it's, it's a giant... It's pathetic ripoff. And the Democrats don't want to let it up. They don't want it to go away. It's Why do you suppose he was so afraid to say, yes, I'm for privatization of Social Security? Because it's the third rail. This is the problem. You know, he, We did the math a couple of years ago. We added it up based on you know today's economy and how much money that they take out, generally speaking. And it was over a million dollars that we would have had in our accounts, as opposed to pennies yeah but they know so much better than you brian yeah yeah whatever yeah uh-huh imagine having that money and then passing it on to your progeny imagine how they could build wealth intergenerationally live on their investments and create job openings for people coming into the country oh uh, the marketplace has been perverted by the democrats all right so will it go broke well not exactly it will however um run out of uh, money from the Treasury and will have to cut back pretty severely the amount of money that recipients get. At Brian's age, he'll get the full <laughs> boat. All right, at my age, I'll get the full boat too, truth be told. Dr. Murray Sabrin, he is, uh, uh, in a, he literally is an immigrant. His parents brought him here when the Nazis were taking over Europe he went from an immigrant to a Ph.D. professor of economics. And he'll be with us to talk about the economy next. This is The Gary Nolan Show.